Here's a question. How long does it take to recoup your investment after buying a house? A recent Forbes piece talks about that. We're going to talk about it, though, today, much more importantly, on today's Money with Friends, featuring thought leader, the money coach herself, Lynette Kalfani-Cox. Welcome to Money with Friends. I am Joe Salcihai coming to you live from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. And I'm Lynette Kalfani-Cox, the money coach coming to you from Houston, Texas. And we together are not only going to read the headlines like some podcasts do, we're actually going to talk about what they mean to you and your wallet so you can earn, save and spend with a plan. Today's uh, piece is brought to you by Rocket Dollar. Big thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. Rocket Dollar account holders have the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose through a Rocket Dollar self directed IRA or solo 401k. You can make directions, uh, investments directly into real estate, private companies, peer to peer lending, crowdfunding, and everything else allowed by the IRS. Get 100 bucks off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com slash MWF. That's rocketdollar.com slash MWF. WF. And you know, Lynette, if you're trying to put real estate inside of an IRA, like not a REIT, but actual a house, you probably need to work with somebody who's done that before because that can be that can that can be ugly. Trick. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to mess it up because you don't want to, you know, blow up your uh plan there and have it disqualified. So yeah. It is ugly. Imagine all that money. No, no, no. The IRS sends you a letter. That's not an IRA anymore. And now you got all the penalties yeah. and all that stuff. Well, we're not going to talk. Fine. We're not going to talk penalties today. We're going to talk about uh, inv- about your home and about buying properties. You chose this piece, Lynette. Why did you choose this one? Well, I'm a huge proponent of real estate, and um, I love the idea of people making the leap from renter to homeowner. But I do think you have to be smart about it. And you have to realize that not only is it a significant investment, but you have to kind of know when is that magical break-even point when you kind of recoup all of the the you know hard-earned money that you've saved for the down payment, the closing costs, et cetera. So I was like, oh, let's give people some insights into a little bit of the uh, figures behind some of the headlines and what you see about, you know, homeownership and becoming a homeowner. Yeah, this will be great, especially for uh, new real estate investors, but for but really for everybody in general, if you don't know a lot about real estate or even if you do. So let's jump into it. Which friend of ours is going to kick off today's show? This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right. Uh, Today's piece comes to us from Forbes, uh, written by uh, Tara Mastrioni. Did I slaughter that too bad, Lynette? I think you actually got it right. Bam. You're welcome, Tara. (laughs) I don't know Tara, but I think she's probably like feeling okay about that you didn't fully butcher her name. So, Well, she she writes some great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what she says. Um, There's no getting around the fact that buying a home is a huge investment. Between the down payment and closing costs, today's buyers need to show up to settlement prepared to pay thousands of dollars up front. Plus, they have to be prepared for they have to be prepared to carry the ongoing cost of home ownership. New research by Betterment looks at how long it takes for homeowners to break even on their home purchase. 
The data shows that on average, it takes people four years to recoup the upfront cost of buying their own home. It also says that homeowners can expect the rate of return from their purchase to fall between 8% and 10% per year. Interestingly, according to the report, that rate of return is very similar to investing in stocks. It's actually funny that they say that because we we just did a a recent one for Stacking Benjamins, Lynette, that shows two to three percent return on 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 a house that you own after all of the costs. So maybe they're talking about just depreciation. But one thing they talk about in this piece that you mentioned, the ongoing cost of homeownership, which I think a lot of new owners forget about the fact, especially when you first move in, you and the people at Home Depot are going to be on a first name basis. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I tell people about home ownership is typically people concern themselves with the upfront cost, right? So that's the down payment, the closing costs, or they'll be thinking about the the monthly note in terms of, you know, PITI, principal in, uh, interest, taxes, and insurance. And I used to have an expression that I would tell to would-be homeowners, and I would say, it's a pity. It's not just pity. In other words, it's a shame, a pity that is not just principal <laughs> interest, taxes and insurance, because it is not. There are so many costs, ongoing costs to being a homeowner and maintaining that home. So obviously there's the maintenance costs and repairs. There's any kind of upgrades you want to do. And of course, people want to start nesting when they have a, a new home. Hello, that's Lynette. I just did that, you know, <laughs> when we moved. Um, but then there's a ton of other stuff. Of course, your utilities, you know, paying for the gardener. Does the house have a pool or anything like that? Maintenance on those kinds of things. And then um, other stuff that's, you know, people just don't take into consideration. Furnishing the house, you know, moving costs. Yeah. Um, we had know, one of those. On and on and on. Well, we had one of those come up here. We moved to our house in January um, uh, in the Detroit suburbs, and we moved to this town versus a town next to us, partly because the taxes were so much less. Then, because I didn't do enough research, I'll tell everybody a little cautionary tale. What, what we found out was, was that in that town, if there's any changes to the roads at all inside the subdivisions everywhere, the road maintenance is included in your tax bill in the oh, town wow. we moved into. It isn't included, which is a huge, it, had I done that homework, it would have been much more apples to apples. But instead, it right. turns out the second we moved in, the street that we live on has not been redone in 50, five, zero years. So oh, they're God. passing a thing. I, Cheryl and I are going to be on the hook for $14,000. And we just moved in. We just wow. moved in and there's an initial $14,000 bill that we didn't know about because I thought I was looking at apples to apples and I wasn't looking at everything with my tax bill. There's a out of the blue thing. Sure. And, you know, I think people often think about that in the context of like a HOA yeah. and you live in a single family, correct? Yes. Yes. So you wouldn't sort of like naturally be thinking about that kind of stuff. Right. But if you're in, say, a townhouse or a place where there's, you know, shared, um, even I live in a single family home, but there's, there is a HOA. Yeah. It's not a, um, a townhouse, but you know, if you have a, a, a unit that has say similar or shared roof or side walls that are, um, the neighbors are next door, then you kind of think like if something goes wrong, okay, we all have to share the cost of that. 
but who would have thunk it, you know, for what you, for what you're going through. And it's like, yikes, $14,000 bill. That is enormous. It was, it was sad. The good news is, is that the city will let you finance it through them over what they're going to do is do a bond offering, but then we mm-hmm. have to pay whatever the interest rate is they get on the bond plus 1% more, or we can oh, just, great. yes, you know, fantastic. I mean, I that's some consolation, but I know, you know, living the dream being stuck with a $14,000 bill you didn't anticipate is, is just, you know, is not fun. <laughs> we, so, we do the show live in front of a Facebook audience. If you want to hang out with us while we make it, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins, where it's the Stacking Benjamins page, our sister podcast. But Gregory's hanging out with us and says, I wonder if whether or not breaking even should be a major factor in consideration for whether or not you own a home. It seems to imply that you should consider a home an investment. I've often heard it's not a great way to think about a restaurant, about a residence. I agree with that, Gregory, but what do you, I don't know, what do you think, Lynette? Yeah, I think that's a really good and valid question, Um, but I don't think it automatically means the home as an investment in terms of ROI, like, oh, I'm trying to get so much money back. It may just be a financial consideration about which is more attractive for me economically, renting versus owning. So I think a lot of people who are going to, you know, looking into becoming homeowners, they're making that calculus because they're thinking like, is this the best use of my money? I have to pay to live somewhere. And so if I do spend, you know, $25,000, you know, for a 10% down payment on a $250,000 house, when would I quote unquote recoup that money in the sense of all the benefits that I might get tax benefits, um, you know, interest deductions. And, you know, the, the point is still valid though, that, you're not necessarily looking at your home as exclusively a financial return on investment because you're setting down roots and you can do a lot more from a personal standpoint, whether that's, you know, hanging up, you know, paintings wherever you want without having to ask the landlord or, you know, depending on where you live, (laughs) you know, painting the house itself a certain color. Um, You just have more um, sort of individual autonomy and say so over that place versus say renting. So I do think it's important, but even if you don't look at it purely as an investment, it's still smart to know financially, what is this major commitment that I'm about to make? What does this mean for me kind of in the long run? Yeah, I totally agree. When I was a financial planner, I used to uh, say specifically that while your home isn't an investment, you shouldn't consider an investment because you're you don't want to sell because you're emotional about it. You have all kinds of memories there. You've So I hate it when we would include that in the plan, but you still want to make an intelligent investment decision. You don't want to have a house that you're forced to live into because you're underwater on the mortgage or it turns out it's in a rotten neighborhood or maybe they're going to work on the streets and you didn't know it. Like all the... <laughs> And frankly, because we were looking at in this piece, the time factor, yeah. I think the the key thing for me with this betterment research is... For a lot of people, it can help them to establish a go or no go decision, right? So if you know you're relocating for business purposes, let's say, and you're going to move to another area, but you know your job assignment is for two years or three years, I mean, you might want to rethink it may be a smarter alternative to rent as opposed to putting down so much money, et cetera, and then potentially not knowing where the market is going to be. And nobody knows, you know, where the real estate market will be in any given market two or three years from now. So it's really about sort of 
is this the wisest use of my money given my situation and my scenario? That's what I was thinking about. You know, you look at uh, back when 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 our parents were buying their first house, uh, their first house, the you, you know, my my dad worked for General Motors. He he stayed there for his entire career. Now you look at the average person is in one line of work for maybe six or seven years. I think the latest study showed. So the chance of you getting back to uh, crossover point or just above crossover point is more difficult than ever. In fact, Jim uh, from Wallet Hacks hanging out with us. Uh, Lynette, you know Jim, don't you? I do indeed. Yes. Jim says... I retweeted him this morning, something he put on Twitter. <laughs> he says, sometimes it's less about a positive ROI and more about reducing cost of housing. When we sold our first house, we lost, in quotes, 30000 on paper. But after all costs, we paid about $600 a month to live in a townhouse, much lower than market rent. And that, I think, that I think is where this is a good investment decision, even if it's not right. an investment. That's right. And it captures the reality of renting versus owning. I mean, yeah. so and it's definitely a, a consideration that anybody who's thinking about home ownership should take into account because we, we see what's happening to rent prices, you know, in in many parts of the country. And um, some folks are thinking like, OK, am I, quote unquote, throwing my money down the drain by renting? And that's not actually always the case, even if, you know, um, you're in a high cost area it may be advantageous, again, especially if you know I'm going to be here for two or three years, let's say. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on something, though, quickly, Joe, since you were saying about, uh, you know, the length of time and about the uh, about seven years or so for people being in a given job. The data elsewhere, it wasn't in this betterment uh, research, but other uh, data have shown that the typical home buyer or homeowner actually gets out of their mortgage too in about seven years. Oh. Either they will sell or refinance within about roughly seven years. So you have that kind of uh, inflection point as well to take into consideration. Not everybody's going to do that. Some people are, you know, start a family, want to trade up and have a bigger house sooner, get an unexpected, um, you know, job opportunity and relocate go through a divorce, maybe sell sooner than they anticipated. A whole bunch of stuff can happen. Life happens. But just in general, to know some of these uh, statistical trends and, and whatnot, I think is helpful for people who are in the decision-making process. My number, by the way, is a few years old. Jim uh, just brought up a statistic from the B- Bureau of Labor Statistics. Average person stays in a job 4.2 years. So it's it's quickening. And I bet that's even going to get quicker. Don't you think so? I think probably with um, the workforce expanding, we're in, you know, increasingly a so-called gig economy, a lot more freelancers, people who are engaging in um, entrepreneurial pursuits of all, you know, type having a side hustle. And so people aren't staying um, in their careers as, as they had in the past. And certainly not like you mentioned, our parents and grandparents who, you know, by and large, you know, practically had a job for life, you know, right. or certainly a decade, you know, 20 plus years, they were on the job. You know, I think about my uncle who worked for the postal service, you know, 30 plus years, and that was the norm. And, but these days, absolutely not. (laughs) So thanks Jim too, for, for pointing out that BLS data, um, showing a, a, you know, a pretty, uh, slim, I would say overall number at 4.2 years in terms of average tenure on the job. Uh, uh, in just a second, Lynette and I are both going to have our big takeaways from today's piece. But first, before we do that, I'd like to say a big thanks to Rocket Dollar 
for supporting Money with Friends. When you talk about your IRA or solo 401k, those two things, if you've got a solo 401 because you work for yourself or an IRA, and you think that you might want to invest in something different than those usual suspects that you get in most brokerage accounts like real estate, let's say you want to invest in a private company, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, anything else allowed by the IRS that you won't find at a Vanguard Fidelity T. Rowe Price, whatever, you go and get Rocket Dollar because they make investments in those types of things very easy. Simply write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. You don't have to wait for a custodian to mail a check on your behalf. It's really that simple. And best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or 401k because they also explain to you and help you understand how the rules work around each of these investments. Open a Rocket Dollar account today and take advantage of a world of investment opportunities. You get everything for 50 dollars a month after one time $360 sign up fee to help th- so they can help you get it all set up for our money with friends listeners our friends at rocket dollar are offering $100 off your setup fee by using money with friends uh, when setting up your account go to rocketdollar.com forward slash mwf and they'll actually tell you that when you get down to the uh, checkout to put in money with friends but it's rocketdollar.com forward slash mwf uh, and it's you have these people that are investing in, um, you know, some of the new fintech startups. Maybe somebody has a business. You want to do a lot of due diligence before you invest your IRA in your buddy's business. <laughs> but but if you're going to, I'd work with somebody that knows what they're doing. And by the way, for a lot of people, 360 bucks sounds like a lot of money. But Lynette, you know enough about this type of investing that when it comes to when it comes to this, usually it's in the thousands of dollars that you need to have somebody help you set this up. 360 bucks is not a lot for that type of thing. Yeah, that's actually a very good deal. And you know, sometimes I tell people who are balking at paying for quality, reputable, good services, you know, don't be penny wise and pound foolish, you know, better to get the expertise um, than to make a costly mistake that'll cost you, you know, many times that more. I used to get that as a, as a financial advisor. Hey, we stayed in, we stayed in our, our house. that's in our IRA. Well, guess what? It's not an IRA anymore. You can't stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly. All right. uh, uh, Let's talk about this. Making money on your home, Lynette, what's your big takeaway? So mine is don't feel pressed to jump into home ownership and don't feel bad if you have not, you know, become a homeowner because you see all these people saying, you know, buying your home is, you know, the pathway to wealth and, you know, as if it's the only thing that you can do. And, um, you know, people like me who are actually proponents of home ownership, I have a book called Your First Home, um, the smart way to get it and keep it. Um, you know, we try to tell people smart home ownership is really where it's at because honestly, there's no point in being in a house if you wind up, you know, underwater, not able to afford your mortgage, or you're in a bad situation where you, you know, potentially face foreclosure. So I think it does make sense to run the numbers. And if you are in a situation where home ownership ain't the right thing for you at this point in time, be okay with that and, you know, do it when and if it becomes appropriate. Yeah, I it's it's so funny as you're saying this our friend our mutual friend Sandy Smith from Yes I am cheap is hanging out with us says amen to you Lynette. Don't feel pressed. Homes are expensive yeah. as heck overall. Like don't feel pressured to do the wrong thing. Sandy is so right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my you know my takeaway is going to be uh, uh, around this. 
leading up to the 2007-2008 uh, financial crisis, which was largely around real estate and bankruptcies, the auto, auto companies, uh, what did we hear leading up to that when everybody had to own a house? Remember that? We kept hearing over and over, renting is throwing money away. Over and over, we heard renting, throwing money away, throwing money away. It turns out that the proponents of that and the people really talking about that were from the mortgage industry and from and, and, and realtors. So while, while I love a good realtor, I love good mortgage people, don't just fall for some rule of thumb, right? Do your own homework like we talked about today. How long are you going to stay in that job that you're in and how much sense does this make for you and your family? And then make your make your best move. So that's, that's uh, I think, my little takeaway. All right. Uh, uh, so you not only have that book, you are constantly writing, Lynette. Uh, where do people find your books? Askthemoneycoach.com. That's my free financial advice site. And it has, uh, I don't know, a good 1600 plus articles on there. Uh, my books are available on there. And then online, you know, the Amazons and, you know, Barnes and Nobles of the world, that kind of good stuff. Or my video based platform, which is moneycoachuniversity.com. Yeah, that's so exciting. We'll have uh, links to both of those, by the way, on our on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Uh, on behalf of Lynette, I'm Joe. We're back here again tomorrow with more fun. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.